My family and I have been members of C3 since July of 2011, um, and I continue to serve as one of the elders here for almost five years now. Um, so today we're going to run a little different, as Gatlin said, um, than we normally operate. Uh, we're going to consist of a shortened message, uh, and then we're going to have a panel discussion where we're going to talk through uh, the vision and uh, direction of the church going forward. So with that, my goal and my message today is to provide you uh, with some practical advice. Being blessed to be married to my wife, Jen, for almost 15 years, um, and further blessed to be father of four kids. Um, so I asked my community group friends, I said, hey, you know, what, what should I preach on? I got, you know, Brent said, I only have 15 minutes, so what, what should I preach on? And of course, my, my good buddy Jordan was like, dude, Song of Solomon. And so, <clears throat> are you ready? No, I'm just kidding. But in all seriousness... Uh, I want to piggyback on Acts. We've been going through the series on Acts for a couple of months now, um, and I want to continue to study the mission of the early church. Uh, I want to share with you today what the Lord has been doing in my life uh, these past few years uh, to encourage you to remember that God has invited us, the modern church, uh, to be part of his grand redemptive story because God, in fact, has commanded us uh, as believers of Jesus Christ to share with others his story uh, of redemption on a personal at household level, uh, and on a global level. So to review where we've been these past couple of months in Acts, uh, we have been studying the early establishment of the church, you know, through the gifting of the Holy Spirit and the progression and spread of the early church as a means to fulfill uh, and extend God's story uh, and his promise. We've heard from our fellow C3 brothers um, as they recount the, um, the early church leaders' accomplishments, their adventures, uh, their heroics, their travels, their conversions and miracles. Yet in a large part of Acts, uh, we see hardships and we see objections to Christianity. And we see Satan's attempt uh, to infiltrate this very young uh, and very early church. Brent emphasized the theme of change in his sermon on Acts 5 noting that although people and circumstances change, might change, the mission remains the same. It remains constant. So I want to remind you that despite the many changes and challenges we're currently experiencing here or might experience in the future, um, in this grand redemptive story of His, God is not done with us. He redeems even the hard things for good, and He uses our experiences to encourage His people. And this is where I want to, to start today, to share with you an experience to help shape and remind our overall perspective. So even as we seek to exist to glorify God by making followers of Jesus Christ who are growing and multiplying, that should be a tagline that you recall, and as we hope to be a gospel-centered community living together on mission by pointing people to the right relationship with Father through Jesus Christ, we currently face and will continue to face the same challenges and opposition the early church experienced. I say this to strengthen our resolve uh, and to remind you of our mission as the body of Christ and to encourage you in the Great Commission. To put it plainly, you know, what are we doing here? What is this all about? Well, it's my hope today that my message will give you a real-life example um, to think about that question. So, as I said, for the past three years, I've been working overseas in Iraq. God presented an opportunity for me to work in the Middle East on a rotational assignment. So what that meant for me was I worked 28 days over there straight, and then I was off for 28 days. So doing that for 
for three years. You're basically only home six months out of the year. Um, so through prayer uh, with the other elders uh, three years ago and with support of our community group, uh, my wife Jen and I felt that this was a calling, and so I took the assignment uh, with my company over there. It certainly wasn't an easy three years uh, of traveling, you know, utilizing FaceTime, uh, missing family events and various activities, but as I look back at the experience uh, that God has certainly grown my spiritual relationship with Him, with my wife, and with my kids, but He's also allowed me the opportunity to witness um, like a different perspective, an insight into an opposing belief system, one um, at the complete hands of Satan that has made me more aware of this act of evil. Um, it is a faith of manipulation, of cunningness, it's sly, and it's called Islam. As one pastor states, whether we like it or not, we can no longer bury our heads in the sand about Islam. There may have been a time in the West when Islam was an esoteric or foreign oddity, but that time has passed. So I've come to know and love these, these, these guys in the picture here. Um, they live halfway across the world, um, and my heart aches that they are blind to the gospel after having to get to, get to know these guys. Um, you know, you go there originally just think, okay, i got a job to do. My corporation sending me over there. Um, and you think it's going to be one way, but then you're completely blown away about what God has in store for you after you've spent time with these guys for three, for three years. I mean, six months out of the year, I was there more than I was at home. So you can't help but be um, saturated into their lifestyle. Um, so behind me is an image, uh, the next image, um, taken during one of the many meetings that I attended that consisted of feasting on local Iraqi cuisine. These were weekly occurrences which I participated. You see, it was my job uh, as the community and tribal affairs advisor for my corporation to go out and win the hearts and minds of the local tribal community that my corporation shared the land uh, in the land around the oil and gas field. So I always remember this image, and it's kind of hard to see now that I've seen it up on the screen, um, particularly the background, because that's where I want to focus your attention, is the little boy in the background. I always remember this particular image because of what the child in the background was doing. He's praying. While we're sitting there having a feast, he is going through um, his, his ritual prayer mantra um, that Islam learns and teaches. From no prompting of his parents or any other elder, he's simply carrying out what he has been taught. So the child is facing Mecca, which is the central of, uh, which is like their, their hub uh, for, for the Muslim faith, which is based in Saudi Arabia. So this mosque that I'm in is facing west, facing to Mecca, um, and he's reciting passages from the Quran from memory, and he's five. Um, you see, it's ingrained from birth. Daily prayers, daily question and answer sessions by the Father, um, repetitive teaching about uh, their prophet Muhammad, etc., etc. And so when I look at this boy, it causes me to reflect. It causes me to reflect on the goodness and grace that I and that we have been extended through the gospel being revealed to us. You see, this poor little boy has not had the gospel shared with him, and he doesn't know any difference. There is no presence of Christianity in southern Iraq. There is no true gospel being preached currently. Missionaries do not exist. We have loving missionaries such as Neil and Sarah Sandoz who are serving in South Sudan and Kenya. Um, and we partner with wonderful organizations such as Feed Teach Hope who are based in Kenya. Um, but in southern Iraq, 
There's nothing. Believe me, I've been there. I've been in the villages. Uh, I've been in the mosques, and I've been with the families very intimately through sharing meals, uh, witnessing their dedicated prayer times throughout the day. So I was constantly exposed to that daily life, um, and that included close, intimate exposure to their belief systems and religious rhythms. And I quickly went from the distanced uh, Western observer to rapidly immersed in the culture and religious customs. So let me give you a different perspective, um, share with you a little bit about Islam. Keep in mind that the global population currently is about 7.7 .7 billion people. 2.3 of those would be classified as Christians. 1.8 billion are Muslims. And this, this is on a global level. In the U.S., uh, just below that, I've got kind of some statistics there. Uh, in the U.S. population, 46.5% are Protestant. Um, that, you know, this is a survey that I found uh, based on the Pew Research Center, which is a uh, nationally accredited uh, center for statistics. Currently, Muslims are 0.9% of the United States population. Um, however, their trend, which is a 235% increase that is happening year on year, uh, is, is trended to be 2.1% by 2050. Could you imagine that the 46% Protestants, if it were to grow 235% over the next 20 years? I'm sorry, 30 years? Anyway, the point is to show you that Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world, more than twice as fast as the overall global population. Um, so the next slide, I've got kind of a perspective for you on Islamic beliefs. And I just picked out kind of the top four or five here, uh, just to give you a, uh, a high-level review here of, of, of their beliefs. So they're a works-based salvation. Uh, so there's no substitutionary uh, sacrifice. There was, no, there was no Jesus dying on the cross for their sins. Um, so compare that with, with the Christian faith, which is, which is based upon grace. They are monotheistic, meaning that they believe in one God, Allah. Uh, and they completely reject any idea of the Trinity, Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Completely reject that. Jesus Christ was, he was a real guy. Yeah, he was there, but he was not a prophet. I mean, he was only a prophet, but he was never resurrected. He was killed, but he wasn't resurrected. Uh, nor did he atone for anybody's sins. And then finally, for them, sin is real, uh, but they don't teach that man was inherently sinful by nature. He just happened to turn bad, I guess. Um, so sin is not real for them. So on those two, based on those two slides, as, as I stated earlier, whether we like it or not, we can no longer bury our heads in the sand about Islam. There have been many a time in the West when Islam was a foreign oddity, but that time has passed. So I say this to, um, I say this to you if you're tempted to ask, okay, Scott, this is great. You know, we thank you for sharing what's happening in Iraq, but how does this apply to us here in, uh, you know, out here in, in Montgomery County? Well, because I, as I indica indicated in the statistics uh, that I showed you, it will be very relevant for us um, in one form or another, especially for the next generation uh, and the generation to come. Um, I, don't, I don't say this to be as a scare tactic, but just to kind of give us a different perspective of, it's coming, and we need to be, you know, as the church, part of our job is to be out there uh, and aware of, 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 uh, of other events happening uh, in our surroundings. So, and also, as followers, uh, as, 
and followers of Islam need to hear the gospel, and they need to repent and trust Jesus Christ alone, who is the way, the truth, and the life. So I hope that we all have intentional encounters with Muslims, because we're all made in the image of him, of the one and only triune God who calls us to love Muslims, um, and to be ready to give an answer uh, with, grateful, with, with gentleness and respect to the Muslims who ask us about the hope that is in us. Because there is hope. Whether we're facing internal challenges within our own church or within our own families or external uh, with, you know, with these ever-expanding false religions such as Islam, God's plan is constantly being carried out. And we should care greatly about the dynamic spread of this false gospel because God cares. The enemy is waging a battle for, for souls. So we need to get our hustle on because Islam is getting their hustle on. A 235% increase over the next 20 years? Man, let's spread his gospel and all its power across the world and make its proclamation a priority in our evangelism to Muslims. As Brent shared in Ephesians 6 verse 12, our battle is against rulers of this present darkness. You see, Islam, uh, and other beliefs for that matter, refuse to believe or accept Jesus. They refuse the free gift of grace when they make claims um, such as part of their belief system that Jesus was not or never claimed to be God. They twist words such as son of man that they read in the Bible um, to mean only just a man and that he was not a God or that he ever claimed to be God. However, while all these things or religions or self-servicing beliefs uh, are counter to the gospel, and while they refuse to, um, to counter to the gospel, they refuse to include Jesus. And while they refuse to include Jesus, the odd part is every single piece of our existence, the entire story of this creation, of you, of me, of where we are, is nothing but about Jesus. A God who loves more than we can possibly understand, who was willing to send his son to die a death that we deserve. Yet the one thing that can turn their religions, their beliefs, and their unbeliefs upside down is the one thing that they reject. So we've been learning in Acts the conflict difference among the Jews and the Gentiles, and we can apply that same um, comparison to the Muslims in saying, according to Romans uh, 10, verse 2, they have a zeal for God, but it is not according to knowledge. You see, everyone is made to worship something. Only the gospel of God's perfect, unconditional love for us can create a real love, a zeal in our hearts for him, a zeal to worship the one and true God. But don't we all reject Jesus from the very beginning? So as believers, we have the opportunity to respond, not with pride, but out of thanksgiving and ownership and love for our fellow mankind. So I say don't stand idle. As Colossians chapter 2, verse 3 states, it's mandatory upon us to communicate to Muslims the truth of God's glorious self-revelation in Christ, in whom all hidden are the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. As Acts 1, verse 8 says, we are to be the witnesses. We, the church, us. God needs us to witness to the Muslims. Acts 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. We have been given the help here at this church, the Holy Spirit. 
and us. We are the help for each other. The church, this church family. So to that, I say thanks be to God that we don't have to tackle any challenges alone. So, what do we need to be doing? What is God asking of us? Well, pray for the lost. Pray for the Muslims and all those who do not yet know the saving power and grace of Jesus. Pray that God would give us His heart for the lost and have an intentional prayer life um, to pray for the lost. Witness and share the gospel, as Chris preached on Acts chapter 9, so that we would presently be used to proclaim the grace and mercy of God to others. We need to prepare for more Islamic presence in our community. We need to constantly evaluate how we operate uh, to include a change of being inwardly focused to outwardly missionally prepared and to, hold, uh, and to take hold of every opportunity presented to us to share the good news. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit prompting us to testify to God. Number three, have an intentional conversations with our families. It starts at home. Um, we have to know the truth. I'm sorry, wrong bullet point. With your kids and with your spouse, day in and day out. Because like I said about the, the, the little boy who was um, praying, his parents daily, every day, are, are teaching him uh, what they think is the truth. Um, so it's not just going to be a simple conversation with, hey, you're following a wrong belief system, you need to follow Jesus, because it's ingrained in them from the very, very beginning. Um, no truth. Uh, educate ourselves. We have to know the truth in order to identify fallacies. Reading our Bible daily, uh, as Ralph said in his message a few weeks ago, you know, when he's, not when he's not having a relationship with Jesus daily, he feels it, he knows it. Um, and also, we've got to be ready to encounter Muslims uh, and their objections. This we saw in Ralph's sermon uh, on John about the Samaritan woman. It's not an easy conversation. It's going to be a hard conversation, but it certainly would, would help the conversation um, if we're well prepared in prayer and in, um, in learned behavior. Disciple, whether you refer to our mission statement, our vision, uh, or, our core, or our core values, the theme of growing in discipleship is consistent. Who are you being discipled by and who are you discipling? And last, lead slash serve. This includes volunteering uh, and participating. C3 is not a spectator sport. We need our fellow brothers and sisters to actively participate. We have many opportunities to respond, whether it's on road crew or, child, or children's ministry, care teams, uh, you know, community groups, etc. Um, lead and serve. So as I close us in prayer... May our core values remind us that as we worship, as we are witnesses of God growing our relationship with Him, as we exist in intentional Christ-centered community, and as we live on mission as God's representatives, pointing people to a right relationship with Him through Jesus Christ, we do all these things with a thankful heart, knowing that God has allowed us to be part of His love story. As Chris Henson stated a couple of weeks ago, we don't follow Jesus because of how it can benefit us. We follow Jesus because he is the benefit. So wouldn't it be amazing if those lost Muslims would one day follow the one true God and confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Wouldn't it be wonderful for God to graciously use us in his redemptive story of those people you personally know who are lost? Well, it is completely possible. And it's also possible that if any of you are sitting here today and you're unsure of where you fit 
uh, where you sit with the Lord, and if you're unsure about your relationship with Jesus, I invite you to then consider this an opportunity to trust in God uh, and to trust in the good news gospel of redemption and to be welcomed into his church as we go on mission together. So let us not sit idly by knowing that God is sovereign over all things and that his work will be accomplished uh, with or without us. Instead, let's obey the Great Commission and by actively participating. Let us carry out the C3 mission statement and the vision and the mission. I only pray that I would be continued, that I would continue to be allowed to participate in his story. So I leave us with this wonderful reminder that we have a wonderful opportunity to be a part of God's story um, because it's not about us. It's about God and his unstoppable movement of the gospel plan. So let's not be idle. We are called. We are called and commanded to participate by proclaiming the gospel of glory, the gospel of grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us not be content with him uh, just being our Savior, but let's not rest until others can call him their Savior as well. Amen. Let us pray.